Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. Today I'm stomping with Olympic gold medalist, multi-time world cycling champion and three-time Tour de France stage winner, Chris Boardman. After a fast and furious career as a professional cyclist, Chris retired in 2000 and has gone on to work in cycling advocacy, where he is currently the National Active Travel Commissioner. After the tragic loss of his mum in 2016 in a road accident, he's even more driven than ever before to make our roads safer and get us all out stomping, cycling and wheeling. Chris, welcome to the Stompcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We are we're currently stomping away uh, by the canal. Where, whereabouts are we? Well, we're heading along the... Uh, actually, I'm embarrassed, I don't know the name of this canal. There's not many in London about 50 miles worth but this one uh, I've walked on several times to go out to uh, Olympic Park yes indeed. so we just two hours come out by just behind King's Cross station isn't it this canal so we yeah. just uh, joined it and we, we had to wait a moment or so because there's a lot of uh, construction going on this part of London is really changing like almost month on month let alone year, year on year isn't it it does feel like immediately we've we've left the kind of noise and there really was a lot of noise back not then. all the noise I say that we've got a <laughs> helicopter swinging over above but that's, oh, that's London for you. Um, you know, we, we, we stepped out of the chaos of King's Cross and you come onto this canal and you do feel instantly calmer. There's something about the water, isn't there? I've said this many times in the Stompcast. I think being near water is just inherently good for our Well, health, I've lived on think. a beach all my life, so um, I'm from the uh, Wirral Peninsula. So I've got the Mersey one side, the Dee Estuary the other, and I've always lived on a beach. And, you know, I mentioned somewhere to stretch the eye and that's what it is. It's, uh, it's a sense of scale as well, where it's all this busyness and people and meetings, and then you step out onto a sandbank, and then yeah. that nothingness is really helpful. It's uh, so it's not just stretching your legs; it's actually stretching the eyes as well. I kind of like that. And you've joined us today. It's uh, just after uh, lunchtime. Uh, you've been in meetings uh, all day. You're a very busy man. Now, of course, uh, your background. Uh, from cycling and racing and you've achieved so much uh, over the years and we could spend an hour going through the many achievements you've had and uh, you know in the, in the introduction I went through a few a few of the many highlights uh, of those but now your work is is very different you've gone a long way in some ways away from the days of racing on the bicycles but in many ways not so far because it's, it's, <laughs> it's a common theme in your life I just wonder if you could just, we're going to go backwards a bit, but let's first just really focus on your aims at the moment, because I really respect what you're doing and the fundamentals of getting people outdoor, outdoors, active, looking after their health, but also doing so safely, because that's a, that's a big point, isn't it? Well, if people don't feel safe, then uh, you, you, you jump in a car. I mean, there's two factors, really, that you... We're built to do easy, so we're going to do the easiest thing, and if health isn't easy, then we're going to have an unhealthy nation. And the thing that connects everybody is transport. So, you know, I started out with bicycles as a, as a sport and then as a, 
a recreation, it's how you meet girls, how, and then it becomes a, you know, a passion and then a job and then, and then after that you realise it's a form of transport and a way to explore and, and that's why it's the common theme that's run through my life and I came to realise, it's actually my daughter, just to go backwards a little bit, my daughter just over a decade ago who started, got me where I am now by saying can we ride to the park and I had to say no, her name is Agatha. And I went and measured it afterwards because I'm quite geeky. And it's 584 metres from our house. Oh, that's and very I, precise. Me, <laughs> I know, I, that's a kind of weirdness. You'll get a lot of that in the next hour. So uh, my background as being an Olympic champion didn't feel I could keep my daughter safe for less than three minutes ago. I timed it as well. Um, and that wasn't right. And it's not kind what I sad, wanted. It? It's not what she wanted. So sad. I decided to do something about it. And I very quickly found it's a really sturdy soapbox to... Uh, to stand on, because you're thinking, well, health of the nation, transport, decarbonisation, you know, any crisis, cheap transport, cost of living crisis, you know, it, it's riding bikes and walking, um, incredibly space efficient, so good for congestion and so on. So that's why I ended up getting involved in pushing for it. And uh, Andy Burnham, the Mayor of Greater Manchester, saw, saw that and said, uh, will you be my cycling and walking commissioner? And I phoned up the guy who's doing the job in London and said, what do we need? And he said, you've got to have control of the cash in some form and you've got to be speaking for him because it's culture change, it's hard. So I phoned Andy Burnham and said, this has got to be your mission, not mine, and you need to have control of the cash. And without hesitation, he went, yep, yep. How much cash are you talking about? And then I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've cornered myself into this job. Um, so we had 160 million. Oh, a couple of quid. So he set that aside. It's quite bold, you know. Yeah. Um, you put that alongside, we're spending two, the region's spending two million a month treating inactivity alone, let alone decarbonisation. What stuff. do you mean by inactivity? Just so people listen, what do you mean about inactivity? Well, inactivity-related illness being treated in the greater Manchester region, it's very similar to the rest of the country, is costing over two million pounds uh, every month. So these are illnesses related to, to inactivity. inactivity. Yeah. Yeah, so we're thinking about things inactivity. like diabetes and heart disease yeah. and so on. Yeah, often you, you, know, you look at those, all of those outcomes and you look at the lifestyle and you realise this person is just completely sedentary. So safety is a priority and I get that. Well, for people listening, what do you mean by you know, creating safer active travel? What does that look like in practice? It looks like what we're doing now, walking alongside a canal, you feel quite comfortable, it's a pleasant thing to do. Um, so for me, heading for Euston, it's actually easy and convenient, it's all of those things. You have to, you start with yourself and you think, well, what would make me get out of the car? What do I need to see out the window that makes me go, ooh, I might give that a go. List them. If you don't build that, it won't happen. Right. Why, why would you? So, so like in London, you do mean like the cycle lanes, the dedicated zones, It's got to feel safe. It's got to be connected. So you can't have a beautiful cycle lane with lots of space. And then you get to a busy junction and they go, oh, it's too hard, we'll leave that alone. So the whole journey doesn't happen because of that junction. Sure. So you've just wasted money on that bit. Sure. So you've got to do all of it. It's got to be networked and reliable and trustworthy. So if I get on a bike here, uh, or even walking to a large degree, I've got to know it's going to be easy to get to where I want to go and clear. Um, and that's what, I mean, there's big chunks of that in London now. You know, you've got your cycle super highways, which they really hate the name now, but you know, it, it's stuck, it's a brand. Uh, and people know that if I get on that, where it's going to take me and roughly what the experience is going to be like. 
and it's had a huge impact. You can go onto one of the bridges in London now, Blackfriars being the typical one. Go at rush hour, and there's more people coming across on bike than any other mode, yeah. including walking. Um, and it works, you know. Well, I used to be one of those. So I, when I lived in um, Fulham, I used to cycle all the way to Lewisham Hospital, which is about 11 miles in mm -hmm. distance. It's quite a decent cycle. You go through, I think I counted it, I think it was 40 plus um, traffic lights on the way there. And the vast majority of the journey, I was able to use the, you know, the, the, super, the super highway, the, yeah. the, blue, the blue lanes, yeah. I, I see it. And I'd follow that all the way down, particularly down the river, and you cross over. But then that did quickly dissipate as you go towards Lewisham and into the that yeah. south region. And I really noticed a huge difference in terms of how safe I felt yeah. uh, and also the number of near misses I had. So I used to cycle to and from work, working four or five times a, you know, a week. That's a lot of journey time, a lot of road time. And mm. you know, I, I, I did experience quite a few scenarios which were unpleasant, which were, which were unpleasant and, and, and risky. Thankfully, I was never injured. And I also, obviously, working in A&E, you know, I've seen a lot of cycling accidents, pedestrian-related yeah. accidents. And I think people perhaps don't realize how, how much higher your risk is. It sounds obvious when you say you're sitting on a bike or walking. But the numbers in terms of deaths is, is really significant in this country, well, isn't it? The perception and the reality are different. But the perception is what matters because that's how you make your decisions. I mean, riding on the streets of London is, is an intimidating thing to do. Uh, mm. And it's the hardy few, you know, that are, uh, that are doing that. Yeah. Um, and it, whilst it feels like that, you don't get a big increase. Um, I mean, you're still 20... T you, you're 20 times better off riding a bike, even with the conditions we've got now in terms of your life expectancy and safety because really? of the health benefits really? than not doing it. And yeah. that's taking into account the risk yeah. associated with yeah, yeah. And that's it's in 116, London, right? Wow. 116, 106 deaths a year, round about that. So for a whole country, it's actually quite safe, but it doesn't always look it, it doesn't feel it. It's, Whereas, yeah, and I guess I, I, I see for me any you know, the sharp end of that. And it's the contrast. I mean, if you were, yeah, the sharp end, A and E, you'll see all horrid stuff. But when it, we, we got involved uh, years ago, and this is really contentious around helmets. So 20 years ago, I advised, sat on a government advisory body, and uh, there's private members bill to make helmets compulsory. And I thought, well, why wouldn't you? It's complete. Why would you not do that? And we were charged with going and look at what the impact of that would be, excuse the pun. Um, and so we went and looked at where it's happened before in the world, in Australia and New Zealand. And we saw um, cycle use dropped almost 50% overnight. What, introducing helmets? Yeah, uh, in both Why? places. Because lots of reasons that were, oh, I haven't got one with me, it's gonna mess my hair up, where am I gonna leave it? Oh, is it really dangerous? Lots of these nips, because we're so fickle human beings that it doesn't take much for us to start or stop something. Um, and then when you put that into context of, right, how many people am I gonna save? 116. 20,000 dying from obesity-related illness every year. You think, Oh my God, I'm going to kill more people than I save. It's really interesting. I mean, that's why safest I'm... place in the world to ride a bike. Is it? Least helmet, uh, least helmet use. Um, Holland, 0.6%. Wow. Because they've taken away the danger rather than going. That's right, I, 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 see what you're, I see what you're saying. So it's focusing on the other things that might contribute to... It's very interesting because I'm, I'm doing a public mental health master at the moment alongside everything else and alongside the work I'm doing. And it's really interesting is that you have to look at when you're doing any intervention. Context. Yeah, it's context of your intervention and thinking about like the wider impact of that intervention 
will the ramifications of that be more negative than your yeah. intended intervention? Yeah. And it's something I perhaps hadn't considered well, so much. Well, instinct and intellect way. clash because you think, keep safe, do this thing, that, that's my... And then if other people don't do it, you get angry because they're not looking after themselves. You need to put it into context to make a societal, the best judgment for a society, and that's remove the danger. So in Holland, you've got 60, 61% of kids yeah. get around under their own steam every day. Not for all of health, or just because it's easy. And then by extension, they've got nearly half the obesity rate. And they do it because we all look like this. There's no cyclists in Holland. You've just got people getting around without cars. You know? Right. So people are walking and finding other forms of, of transport. Make, it's people who look like me. You don't have to look like that. You know, high vis and helmets. And, so That's perhaps some of the species. barriers are also what you perceive you need to be to be a cyclist. Yeah, very much so. Oh, I need the cleats and I need the shorts yeah. and I need the all this stuff and the raffa, isn't it? All that kind of stuff you need to have yeah. apparently. I, when I used to ride to Lewisham, I did click in because it was, I was doing have so much. Have you got raffa skills? No, I used to ride in a t-shirt and, <laughs> and a pair of shorts. That was it. And just as long as I could clip in, because yeah. that would help with efficiency and all that kind of stuff. That's all I do. That's as far as I got. And do you know what? I'll tell you this as well. What bike did I ride for three years? A Boardman bike. Of course you did. A black Boardman Why bike. Why wouldn't you? And it was, a, it, was a, it was a sturdy. And let me tell you, right, there are a lot of <laughs> potholes between Fulham and Lewisham, and that bike never let me down. I think in well, the whole time, and I, was, and I was pushing it hard. And I used to, uh, I follow all the rules. I would stop at all the lights, but I used to push. I used to enjoy it. It was great fitness. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, guys, we always say that, um, you know, we, we are walking. We're not sat in a podcast studio. Um, so apologies, everyone, if it is a little bit loud in the background, but we are doing our, our very best. Um, so, yeah, Chris, I know you're not plugging the bike, and you didn't tell me beforehand. Can you mention that you ride a, a Boardman to work? I thought it was a, it's a funny coincidence, given you know, we're, we're, we're doing this today, and, and shows well, how much you've achieved um, over well, the years. It's nice to, it was nice to start a business back in 2007 that I had something that you believe in. Yeah. Um, and it was all part of the same puzzle for me. It's a two-wheeled sort of, Oh, sounds awfully cliche, but a two-wheel journey of like from racing to sport and then transport and then um, I guess the business that it's a beautiful it. thing. I guess when your purpose, passion, and your or your work life can mm. can all kind of combine. And some things that happen to us in life obviously really further inspire us or they push us towards a a certain direction. You know, I you know with my work with mental health, you know, I've talked about it, you know widely. You know, I lost my brother to to suicide a few years ago, and that's you know, pushed me on in this, in this direction. And 
you know, I sadly hear that you know you lost the mother with a with a cycling yep. related accident. Um, and I mean, I'm you know, I just want to say first of all, I'm sorry for your loss, but also I think it's pretty inspiring that despite what's happened, you still a advocate for it as a form of transport, but also you're trying to make as many people safe as you can. How how important is has that experience been? In, well, it's just on. strengthened. Uh, it was a journey, uh, a path that I was already on, if you like, and yeah. uh, and that was just a horrific irony um, that you know my mother was killed um, by a driver while she was out riding a bike. Uh, also, massive irony that high vision helmet didn't do a, a great deal of good either. It's a really stark reminder. You know, people often used to ask me, "How do you? Why do you ride to work when you get to work and you look after people that?" have accidents on, on the bicycles and stuff. And, and, and interestingly, I always used to reflect to kind of what you said there is that we're seeing this minority because I work in an, in an inner city department in a and &E. I'm going to see accidents and things. And I felt for me that the overall benefit, the way I felt mentally, uh, probably even more than the physical benefits of cycling to work, and actually the biggest bit for me was cycling home, was huge because it gave me such clarity of mind. Could you describe a it's little bit? It's also physical now, and uh, that's now becoming better understood that there's a physical impact, the chemical change. So uh, there's. Do you this, mean a physical impact on the mental? From side? yeah, from from exercise, um, uh, and there's also the headspace. There's a gap between home and work, mm. and and it's it's also something that people are in control of every day in a in a highly stressful world for people who are you know struggling to pay bills. I'm going to exercise, uh, or it's a thing you can control, and it's beneficial and it's good for you, and it's it gives people an anchor point in their day. I so, think it's, a, it's part of its bookending, isn't it? What I didn't realize yeah. realize this perhaps as much when I was working in A and E, but I was effectively, you know, doing what we call bookending. Uh, you know, I was starting the day with movement to provide yeah. clarity and headspace, and I was ending the day with the same thing. And then in the middle is your stressful bit, I guess, or your your bit that you have to work and go into your tasks, your challenges, yeah. uh, and so on. How, you know, with your work, you know, one side of things you're working, which I know is very connected, but with the active travel, thinking about Sport England and the work that you're doing there, how important is mental health, you know, in, in, in the conversation on this? We're just coming off the back of World Mental Health Day. Uh, as you know, I'm quite yeah. big on this uh, topic. I'm very passionate about it. Um, how important is that as a focus of the benefits of sport now moving forward, now and moving forward? Well, we're realising that, that mental health is, is a huge uh, underappreciated benefit of exercise and physical activity. I mean, Sport England is almost a misnomer. Sport is a big chunk of what we do uh, and it's grassroots. So UK sport does elites and Olympic stuff. Sport England does grassroots participation, local clubs. And that's about a third of what it does. The other third is local communities and small groups. And it's about activity. Mm. It's about actually getting people active mm. uh, from literally walking like this and upwards. Mm. So, you know, and park runs. So it's all that exercise area. Um, so it's a massive part of what we do. We have about 130 system partners and we fund, spend about 300 to 330 million a year, uh, lottery funding that goes out to increase activity levels uh, and the mental health aspect is is massive i mean you get the two at the same time which is you know i always go for the laziest option how many 
how many problems can you solve at once? <laughs> and, um, That's not I, a bad way to work. I guess. Which way you can I combine the three things, but the, the, my two missions, if you like, overlap quite nicely. Yes, someone really is ringing the bell. They're good. They're, so the people going past us now are cyclists. They're very welcome. They're very polite. Uh, they've used the bell. They've got a helmet. They're looking Can't appropriate, be. I think. Well, I think, uh, I mean, the canal towpaths are quite tantalising. You know, we talked about it earlier and you think, wow, this would be great. This is where I'd like to ride a bike. But as soon as you put any more volume down right. here than this, okay, yeah. then it suddenly becomes mass conflict and it's yeah. unpleasant for everybody. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it does feel a lot of the time that as cyclists, oh, we've got someone whizzing by, so no worries. And um, it does feel sometimes, and I've been on both sides of the coin, so I you know, drive, I ride actually motorbikes, I, drive, I can drive a car and things as well. There's a lot of other vehicles versus cyclists, it feels, or at least I've certainly felt that, and I've been on, again, both sides of it. Why is that an issue? And like, how do you perhaps solve some of that? You know, because road rage is a real concern. People get injured because of it, and that includes cyclists and so on as well. So yeah, does your work kind of incorporate tackling that and perhaps increasing safety in terms of behaviours, I guess, of cyclists, but also you know, awareness of other road users, understanding the safety of cyclists, does that make sense? I think, I think if you try and do it on getting people to think differently, you're on hired into nothing. Because human beings get stressed by what's going on in their life and then they're traveling and that stress goes with them regardless. It might be somebody bumping into you, somebody running across the road because they don't want to wait, somebody in a car. Um, so you've got to look at how do I remove the danger? So in terms of people walking and cycling and, and driving, you separate them wherever you can. Right. And then people walking and cycling. Um, Active Travel England barely ever funds shared use right. because it's just conflict. As soon right. as there's a speed difference, one's intimidating the other, it's not good. So you try sure. and That's you the most obvious. It sounds so silly, but that sounds like a really obvious thing. But when you say it that way, it, it is the obvious answer, isn't it? Have a space for people to walk, yeah. place for people to cycle. Because actually, if you consider that moment there, we're walking along here, right? We've got predominantly pedestrians here. And perhaps you could see how people can get annoyed. You've got cyclists coming through. They could potentially get annoyed, although they were very polite, they're using a bell. They could get annoyed that we're walking slowly. And equally, pedestrians could get annoyed they're going quickly. So I guess that probably applies to any you know, yeah, whether it's roads or whatever, doesn't it? So separating people, it, it does make sense, doesn't it? Well, you always start by remove the danger if you possibly can. And then the last, I mean, any workplace does this, the last possible thing you do is mitigate for the danger. The first thing you do is try to remove it and separating people is, is, is the way to go. So shared use paths work where you've got, you know, out in the countryside, maybe an old disused railway, down yeah. to get to a station, doesn't have a, a lot of volume on it at all. Yeah. Then that works, everybody can look after each yeah. other. But you don't need much volume before it starts to get friction. Right. Uh, and if somebody's had a bad day and they're riding a the bike along this path, then they might cut past close right. and it's intimidating. So should this really be just for pedestrians then? Is it just for pedestrians? I don't know the rule of this, um, but should it be just It just about works at the moment. I mean, if you wanted to make this work with base modes then you'd have to go out for a couple of meters over the water yeah. and then you run into canals and rivers trust and various building companies. And, and that goes and back to the issue you really said hard. earlier on, yeah. And it's the pinch points of the bridges. 
with canals that are often the problem. Well, there we went through a part where I couldn't actually stand. Yeah. <laughs> and you as well, of course. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm extra tall. Five foot eight. Um, so I had to kind compact. of like bend, bend over to get under it. But there are tight pinch points. And I'm I guess, here. what do you kind of say to people who perhaps go, oh, well, you know, we're doing all these cycle lanes in London. It makes the traffic busy. It's harder to drive the cabs and it's harder to get around. I guess, what's, what's the kind of message to people who perhaps are well, a little bit more quite, negative around it? So London's now been doing it for over a decade and they've got hundreds of thousands of journeys every day by bike and obviously by walking because the tube works really well. Um, if you, those people decided not to do that, you would be gridlocked. Uh, and people don't see that. And they also don't see the tiny fraction of space that's actually taken up by cycle lanes at the moment. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a very, very small percentage, well under 10% of London's roads. So it's, it's, it's actually, this is your plan for congestion, is to give people a more space-efficient way to get about. So we're saying by creating other options or more efficient options, we mm. might actually improve congestion. Is that the aim? Well, it's the only way you'll improve congestion. You know, bikes are more than six times more space efficient. Um, and when you've got, you link that in with public transport so people can do parts of trips by other modes or it starts to rain so I jump on the bus, then, then it all really works. And it works really well in densely populated areas like London, like Greater Manchester, like the West Midlands. Um, and other cities are doing it now because there's, they've got legally binding decarbonisation targets and they all know they've got to drive 30% less and electric. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Try everything else. And nobody's talking about that, but it's the only way you're going to do it. And the only equitable way you get people to drive less is give them an attractive alternative. Well, I think it's, it's clearly part of the future, isn't it? Well, let's draw to the end of uh, part one. Um, stick around, guys, for part two. Um, we're going to find out why Chris was nicknamed uh, the professor. Um, and also learn... Quite interested out myself. <laughs> and also learn about how some of the things that you've kind of experienced over the years and the work you've done in kind of pro competitions, Olympic level, professional level, how some of those concepts can perhaps be used in everyday life in terms of looking after your mental health, achieving your goals and so on. It's going to be a great part of the conversation. See you all in part two.